Welcome to Secure Podcast. You are now listening to the prologue of what I envision to be secure. I hope you can all feel my soul radiating through these frequencies. See you all on the other side. We're going to be hearing from Monica Alarcón, founder of Amiga Circle. But Monica Alarcón is an incredible individual, a powerful mujer. The original episode that was recorded was about two hours long. And there is so, so much great stuff on there about her life and her experiences. And, you know, it all tied back to what it was that altered her perspective, her way of seeing the world, and what served as a catalyst for this idea that is now blossoming into a community. And as painful as this topic was at one point for her and her family, at this point in time after healing, she was able to share it and she was able to grow from it and to understand how it was going to serve her so that she may in turn serve her community. And I think that stories like these, like Monica Alarcón's story, need to be talked about more. The aftermath. Because our communities are resilient. Our communities are made up of fighters. And Monica Alarcón is a perfect example of that. What I intend to do here is to set up a reminder for us all of what we're made of and to remember and if in any way we can look past this moment into the future and how this too will simply become a part of how we rise and continue to grow. What I do for a living is I actually work for Cassie Long Beach. I manage the curriculum management system and I publish the catalog. So for all of you who go to a university or a college student um, and you view those catalogs, um, somebody does do that and it's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) So be grateful. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Right. Um, Just to get started, a little bit about me. I grew up in the city of Inglewood. Woo woo, Inglewood. Yes, of course, right? Uh, we're always up to no good, as they say. <laughs> but I'm actually always up to good. At least I like to think so. Um, so I was raised in Inglewood. My parents are from Mexico, so I'm a first generation Mexican American, and I'm also the first in my family to go to college to obtain a BA and a master's. I'm actually the only one out of my five siblings um, to have a college degree. So my parents are obviously super proud of that. And I think um, they feel satisfied that at least one of us went, even though I always tell them, um, the odds are not good. Only one out of five went to college. <laughs> but, you know, they're so gracious and humble people that they see that as a win, that they were able to uh um, see their American dream uh, accomplished through me because I was able to get an education. Um, 
So I grew up kind of really, really poor. My mom was a housekeeper. She actually still cleans houses. She cleans houses for really rich people that live in Palos Verdes. Uh, if any of you are familiar, oh yeah, they're pretty wealthy up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not, not just middle class. So when I was growing up, I experienced like these two worlds, right? Um, I would go home and everybody was pretty much broke. Um, houses were not like, you know, uh, luxury homes. Everybody was living in apartments or really run down um, uh, houses. Um, but then I would go to work with my mom and I would see these people li- living in these like mansions. Like they, it, they looked like mansions to me because they were so big and they had a pool and they had a jacuzzi. And so growing up like that, I think it it gave me a glimpse to like a different world from what I was living in Inglewood because in the city of Inglewood, it's 50% black people and 50% brown people. And that's pretty much it. Like I grew up with black and brown people. And so when I would go to work with my mom in Palos Verdes, which is mainly Caucasian people, um, first of all, I was culture shocked. <laughs> um, but I'll, also, I, I would wonder, like, why? Why do these people have all, all these nice things? And then I come home and it's like, uh, I don't have anything. <laughs> but the people, they were really nice. I always treated me really nice. And I would play with their kids and stuff. And, Really, that's why my mom would take me because I would play with their kids and their kids wanted to play with me. <laughs> um, uh, but I think when I was young, it just really impacted me because I would see this other world that I was not necessarily a part of. Um, but I, I kind of was like, well, why? You know, why? And so that kind of like ex- expanded my curiosity as to how, and not only expanded my curiosity about the world, but also like kind of set uh, made me set goals like, well, I want that. You know, how do I achieve that? How do I get that? Okay, work hard, go to college. Okay, I'm going to make sure I do those things. So um, I went to Inglewood High School. Now, I'm not going to say that I was like the perfect student. I was not the perfect student. <laughs> I actually gave my parents a lot of grief because <laughs> I did a lot of things I was not supposed to do. In fact, I was like that girl that was like, you know, early developed, um, I was like uh, in my teens, um, trying to go out with boys that were like in their early twenties. <laughs> so I was like really fast, and my parents did not like that about me because they were like, "You're trying to grow up too fast. You need to slow down, focus on school." So I wasn't like this A plus nerd student all the time, just doing good. And I like I really did a lot of things that made me grow up really fast. Um, and so because of those, I actually appreciate those moments. My parents don't. But I do appreciate those moments because I feel like some of the things I did when I was young really helped me develop what people would call today street smarts. And it really gave me the ability to like read people, um, like what's okay, what's not okay, who's in t- uh, good intentions, bad intentions. Um, but anyway, so I was in like a straight A student, uh, but I always uh, was like dedicated and committed. So on the days that I wouldn't ditch school, <laughs> I would actually do my work and try and I would do my homework and it's funny because um, when I would go to school and um, like you know turn in my homework uh, I would actually not even go to class but I was so committed to making sure that I turned in my project that I would go to class just to do that and then I would leave <laughs> and so the teachers they they 
they didn't see that as surprising, unfortunately, because I went to a school where a lot of people just kind of went to get babysatted, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. it wasn't, like, the best school. As a matter of fact, my high school was taken over by the state, and I think it still, to this day, is. Um, ranked really low. But um, I think the teachers, I was lucky because the teachers, they saw, like, potential in me, even though I wasn't doing everything I was supposed to do, like a straight-A student or however that student looks. I think they saw that I had something in me and that I had the potential to go to college, so they never gave up on me. Um, one of my teachers actually put me in a program called APPI when I was in eighth grade, and I didn't know what that was at the time, but after I graduated high school, I realized what she did for me. So she sent me up for a program that in high school, I was going to take all college preparatory courses no matter what, because I was going to set me up to go to college. And at the time, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know what college was. Nobody in my family went to college. But then when I got here, I had seen what she had done because so many people in high school just take classes and sometimes they don't have counselors who care or even give them guidance that they end up taking classes and doing well, but they don't qualify for going to college because they didn't take the right math, they didn't take the right English, and there are certain uh, required courses you have to take before you go straight into a four-year university, and then you'd have to go to a two-year college. And I have nothing against it, community colleges. They're great. Um, but I, I think for me, going directly into a four-year college university uh, made a difference. And so I ended up in college. I actually came to Cal State Long Beach, where I work. I got a political science degree and Chicago Latino Studies degree. Um, and then two years later, when I graduated, I came back and got a public administration master's degree. So you can say that I am all about public service. After I got my degrees, I had a kind of like um, what I would call like uh, highlights in my life, right? I became a mom of a four-year-old. His name is Lorenzo. Um, but then soon after that, um, my twin brother was killed. So how he was killed is basically he was killed by uh, gun violence. He was killed in Inglewood. And he was not like a gang bang, bang, I mean, a, a gang member, like a lot of people would like to ask me. <laughs> so I'm just gonna put it out there. He was not gang affiliated, um, but I think there's this um, stereotype that if you're a, a minority Latino uh, black person and you come from a certain environment like Inglewood and you get shot and killed, it's because you were doing something wrong. Um, you were doing something in the street and literally he wasn't literally he lived in Palmdale he came to my parents home to help them paint because we were gonna have a big party a week before that and he literally just had arrived with my father and as he was opening the gate to put the car in there was a guy across the street my parents had never seen and this guy was young, he was like in his 20s, and he just looked like he wanted to have problems with somebody, and he was gang affiliated, and he probably was under the influence of something, but he thought my brother looked at him in a way that he didn't appreciate, so that was enough for him to convince himself that he needed to go back to his car, get his gun, and then shoot my parents' house. And he shot about eight bullets, um, and my brother was the only one that got shot once and that was enough to kill him instantly um, luckily and I say luckily because I had kids that were outside at the same time my little brother 
two of my nephews. One was his son, his only son, and my father. And so he managed to just kill one person, which I think it was a blessing because it could have been a bigger tragedy. Um, But, you know, he, he killed him. And after that, it was really hard, you know, because when something like that happens, the first thing is like, why? Like, you know, he was a good person he he had had his tribulations you know like i always tell people we grew up in the 90s like you people who grew up in the 90s you know there was a lot of things we needed that we didn't get there was not a lot of like there's now there's more like i think programs out there to help kids in like underprivileged communities there's more people who care and i think a lot of it is because of our generation going back to these communities um but during the 90s, I don't think we got all the outreach we could have got. And so a lot of us would, were either ended up in bad paths or were heading down those bad paths. And he was one of them. Like, you know, I always tell people that, that I really should write a book about him, him and I because even though we were twins, we went to the same school, we had the same parents, we had the same friends, we lived in the same environment. You know, I got to go to college while he got to go to state prison. You know, he, he he always had this more like, I have to be a man mentality and I can never show weakness versus, you know, I was more free to, to think and to show all emotions. And so that in itself, to me, is always something that I want to highlight because I think that um, that is produced by the culture. You know, I'm a, a Mexican-American, so very traditional Mexican family household. Um, I think the culture has some fault as to why the men feel a certain way and women feel another way and are treated differently. Um, but also think that society a little bit um, has to contribute to that as well because I remember even in schools, teachers were always praising me like, oh yeah, she's smart, she listens, like I can control her basically. And my brother, he always was a chatterbox and he was always getting in trouble and then they didn't really know how to deal with kids that would talk a lot. So it was like, put them in the bad class, uh, put them in special ed. Like there was really no uh, real curriculum or solution. And so he kind of got pinned as the bad twin and then I was the good twin. And I think that really like um, hindered him growing up because then he started getting into trouble. And, you know, he went to jail the first time when he was like 17. And after that, he went about three more times until he ended up in state prison for about two years and when he came out he was dealing with drug he was just drug addict um a lot dealing with a lot of things and really he didn't he changed once he became a father and he really started understanding what real love was and what it is to take care of another person because they completely depend on you and he went through a trial and tribulation with his son because the mom was also a drug addict and so there was this custody battle between them for a long time and we were always there supporting him even when he was um, dealing with like drug addiction and custody battles you know i remember that he, he was so i mean into his drugs that he would become really violent 
like physically violent and I remember a couple of times like we physically would fight because he was just so out of control or he would destroy like the house where he would break a door or because it was the drugs you know like I, I want drugs I need drugs and you get in a bad mood if you don't have them or you don't have the money you know and he and it just was bad a bad environment to the point where I was like I need to reach out to somebody and I remember I reached out to home industry homeboy industry mm-hmm. Do you, have you yeah. heard of them yeah and they actually came out to talk to him. They had this guy come out and tell him his experience with drugs and why he got out. I remember my brother was like very receptive to the guy because it was like, okay, you've been there, you've done that, you know. And I think it's true. Like if you've never been a drug addict and are trying to get out of that, then you really don't understand. You can say that's wrong. What are you doing? You're messing up your life, but you just don't really can't relate. And so I think doing that really helped because he started, it started um, changing him. It started turning a tie. He started going to that place and um, meeting other people and really just realizing, okay, I need to get myself together. I have a good family that is supportive and I haven't been very nice to them, but I need to hold on to this. And so, and then he had the son, which also helped. And so he started cleaning up. He started really attending all the children's court dates. So maybe after three years, he was granted full custody because the mom was just not changing. She was just a mess. And so once he gained full custody of his son, he just decided, I'm going to leave this area. I need a first start. So he went to live in Palmdale with his uh, then girlfriend uh, with three kids. And they had a nice home over there. And his life was like amazing. Like he really made a 180 turn. You know, he was not doing drugs. He was really like a family man. He was stepfather to the three children he was living with, with his girlfriend and then his son. And they were all like a family. And so when he died the way he died, I I just so upset because I was like, he went his whole life with all these challenges. He went his whole life, oh, you're the bad twin. He went his whole life with teachers and the education system kind of giving up on him. My parents you know i love them they're good people but they kind of like instilled this cultural like machista kind of mentality in him which um i think sometimes i don't want to say that even that kind of led to the moment of him being killed but you know my my brother was not one to back down if somebody said hey i'm talking to you he was gonna say hey what do you want and so when he died like that, I was like, how unfair is life? You go through all of that to survive it, to be a good person, to be the person you're supposed to be, to, and you move away from it. And then you come visit to do something good for your parents. And some asshole, I'm sorry, I don't know if you can say bad words, but some street guy who's going through the same thing that he did when he was younger, he has ego enough or or bold enough or crazy enough to actually shoot up and kill somebody like that really like just uh, it was like a like a aha moment I guess for me like what the hell am I doing with my life like I could be dead any second like literally anybody can just kill me and I've gone to school and I've got educated and people have been proud of me and I've had proud moments and you know but none of that shit matters or means anything because I'm looking at my community and the same shit that I went through when I was a kid in the 90s is the same thing going on today. 
It's the 21st century. We have freaking technology, but the communities that I come from, like Inglewood, surrounding communities like Compton, like they're, we're going through the same thing. And so that, it took me a long time to get to that. And it really made me think like, what can I do to contribute to positive impact, not just for myself, but like for people like me and people in my community? Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too into detail as to what happened to my nephew after my brother died, but just, and it was like a two year long fight of just making sure that he was getting the therapy he needed because obviously he saw my brother get killed um, and he was only eight at the time. Uh, but also like, hey, you guys are like his dad dies. Now he's going to go live with a mom he hasn't seen since he was three. Um, let's like slow down a little bit. So there was a, a long fight for two years for him. Unfortunately, I lost the, the custody and she gained his custody um, because the law is like, hey, your brother didn't leave, leave a will. He wasn't married. She's the living parent. He goes to the living parent. That's her right. And that's what the law says. So and that really impacted me because I thought, dude, does anybody give a shit about people that look like me or people that I grew up with? You know, I'm here dealing with like my brother's death trying to put the guy that killed him um, in prison because we were going through that court at the same time. But then I'm going trying to fight custody for my nephew because I understand if this boy, little boy goes to his mom right now, right, right here with all the trauma he has and she has her own trauma that she hasn't dealt with, what's going to happen to my little nephew? He's going to become a statistic. That's how extreme I was, especially during the case of my nephew with the judge. I would, you know, I was very vocal and I would write letter after letter. And I, I joke now that I like that I would write essays to the judge, but I really did write like 10 page letters to the judge. And that was all hurtful. And that was all like a big awakening for me um, to see like, dude, what the heck am I doing with my life? Like, yes, I succeeded. I went to college. I got a degree and I have an okay job and I'm succeeding for myself. But I'm like, but all these other issues around me, um, they're affecting my family directly. They're affecting my nephew. Like I need to do more. I need to be more. I need to be bigger because like it, it, it sucks when, when the law says one thing and it's not right. It's not the right thing to do. So then it's like, okay, so how do, how do I help that? And so that really uh, kind of like stayed with me, that whole, well, how can people do what they don't know? And so that's when this whole thing started developing in my head about like Amiga Circle, which I know we're going to talk about. I really started believing that access to information is important. And not everybody's going to go to college. College is great. It's one way to grow, to learn, to make new friends, to be in different environments. I mean, I am a higher education um, advocate. I, I work in the environment because I love it, but I, I am a true believer of higher education, especially for people like me who come from underprivileged communities. We need all the exposure and different experiences we can get and college is a great way to do it because you might not get that exposure or experiences if you don't go to college. I really wanted to be able to provide access to information, any information um, to women like me or just women in general 
um, so they can at least be able to view their information and hopefully be able to do something productive with it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they ignore it. Maybe it um, doesn't do anything for them at that moment. But that's okay. I, I feel like sometimes it takes a while for people to really digest what's in front of them. So like for me, when I went to college and I was learning all this information and then I, I left college and I was like, oh my God, I, I can't even get a job. Like I wasted four years of my life. Now, granted, I graduated in 2007 when the economy happened to collapse. But now, you know, I, I'm 35 years old. Um, I graduated when I was 23. But I, I didn't know. I'm, I'm glad I have my degrees. I think they, they definitely put me at a different um, playing field where I can like be more successful. But but I didn't know that I had to network. <laughs> I didn't know but that it I had to. It goes back to information. It goes access back to, to access to information, yeah. and even just having a circle around you that can guide you. And right. I totally, totally see how this goes full circle, and how we keep skating in the same space, even with an education, unless we reach out, unless we're the ones stepping out. Yes, and I, I definitely agree with all that. And I will have to say that one of my parents, on my mom, she, she works with various um, houses and families but one of the families that she has been working with for a long time they at the very least they did help me with school books cost so they would give me like um, a, uh, a allowance of like i think it was like 500 dollars a semester to buy books so you know not all of them did it but there was some help and that was appreciated and i can't ignore the fact i can't ignore that fact you know um, you're right. We don't have the same resources. We don't have the same networks. I, I don't think they know that, but some of them do try to help in the way they know how to, right? And, do you really and think it that took... at this point people don't know that? Do you think that they just turn a blind eye to it and don't care to learn about it? I think some people just don't care. They just don't give a shit. And I think there's other people who do care. The way they go about helping is a little bit misguided. Um... But then again, I think it's in my personality to be very empathetic to all people, <laughs> you know, because even with when the, that guy that killed my brother, you know, I was like angry. But the first thought that came to my head seriously was like, what kind of fucked up shit happened to you? What parent didn't parent you or give you love? Who did what to you to give you that fucked up mentality? that it's okay to go shoot at people and kill them. That was my first thought, literally like, dude, I feel sorry for you because you obviously didn't get the love, the support or the guidance to be a better man. That was my first thought. It wasn't like, oh, fuck you, I hate you. That all came later, people, trust me. But I really had that much empathy because I'm like I'm a very analytical person and I always try to look at the big picture and look at every side and even then in my worst I was like thinking this guy is also a product of everything that just happened um he could have also been something better and he's now he's in jail for life and the, the guy's like 23 I mean he's young you know and so that's also a loss for our community yeah um you know, a young Latino that misguided goes to jail. Now that's that's 
his life for the rest of his life and he has children and i think that 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 point of view is directly connected to this idea of self-love because you understand that it's not you and the community you are the community Mm -hmm. and each member stands and is a part of the collective so if one person hurts we all hurt right so that point of view is directly linked to that like you have to love all these people in your community because hey you didn't have something and because of that look where you are Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't have wanted that for you even with what happened on Mm -hmm. my side and how it affected me i see how it's affecting you Mm -hmm. and how it's going to affect your family Mm -hmm. how it's going to affect their generations Mm -hmm. because it just keeps going so i'm very empathetic to everyone's stories i'm very empathetic to how people got to there where they're at and because i have all this empathy and it really emotionally affects me i was like what can i do i've gone through all these experiences i'm thinking about them really deep deeper than other people i'm sure how can i like make some kind of impact that's going to satisfy me so i don't feel like i just see the problems and i'm not doing anything about it um, but also where I'm actually helping people, um, even if it's one or two, you know, see some kind of light of day. So I think sometimes people in my community, at least, they just get so stuck on what they don't have. They get so stuck on the things that have been done to us that our creativity and our ability to think beyond what we don't have, imagine stuff, just create, really gets hindered. We just lose that and we just don't think about it because it becomes fantasy. Like, oh, it's a fantasy. I don't want to waste time on fantasy. I got to go to work. But you need that fantasy. You need to have that ability to imagine, to have an idea, to talk about it, to tell people where you want to be at. Because only that you will make it real. You will make it a reality. You'll have hope. You'll have motivation. You'll have inspiration. If you you take that away from yourself, then essentially you just become part of the community that keeps doing the same thing. It makes me think like us as a people this is where we get our power from mm-hmm. this is what makes us strong and, and and if we don't understand that we can get stuck we can block ourselves from growing from what we've been through because exactly. we've been programmed to think well look every look at everything you've been through there's nothing better for you but if it, it's the opposite of that look at everything that you've been through imagine the possibilities and the people that you can reach because of that imagine what you can do because of that and that therein lies our power because now you understand something on the other side that you wouldn't have exactly exactly i uh, being uncomfortable is a good thing you know putting yourself in uncomfortable situations there's a reward for that you know having ideas and thinking that you're going to be living this extraordinary better loving life is worth thinking and not putting on pause or feeling silly over it like who cares if you even if you feel silly doing it feel silly there is a reward to that there's a reward to believing you are better to, to believing that you have all the confidence in the world even if you don't believe it while you're thinking it and saying it there is a reward to that but I think a lot of people in my community, not only where I grew up on, but just people like me, they, they they don't feel like they have the right to do it or they're just so beat up about societal things that they just give up. People will take initiative. 
you know you you start talking about it then somebody else will say i'm into that too and then you know it takes its own uh, life form and then it becomes a reality and i i have to say that it took me 35 years to really realize this you know because because i've always been smart right like like book smart right and then i've always had like the street smart side as well because of how i grew up where i grew up you know my family dealing with drugs violence um all these other things me seeing all these things as i was growing up and so i struggled with like confidence like i'm doing all the things i'm supposed to do to get to this place of success right um I'm, I'm following the plans that other people give me, right? So I go to school, they give me a four-year plan. I'm going to nail it because I'm just going to follow it to the T. Um, so school was easy for me because it was like a plan given to me. Uh, when I graduated and I started working, I, you know, I started climbing the ladder. Okay, this is what I have to do, A, B, C, to get there. But then once tragedy hit and all these things happened, I was like, okay, I'm climbing the ladder. I'm following all these plans what is it serving me i'm still having the same problems or being impacted by the same problems i was trying to run away from or be better of that's why i went to college that's why i went all these things like like it just it really like uh, made me really have a self-analyzation moment of what's missing what is missing right and so i started thinking and i realized through you know because i had to go through a lot of therapy to to trying to get over what happened you know because that was my twin brother like all of a sudden i was twinless so that takes an impact psychologically right you're all all of a sudden not a twin you know yeah and so after i did a lot of self-work on myself and did a a lot of therapy and had a lot of really good people around me I just, I realized like, you know what? I don't know how to build a plan for myself. How to say I'm gonna do something and and do it. I always expect somebody to give me a plan. I don't know how to really just figure it out on my own. Even with family, you know, like coming from a Mexican traditional family, they, you know, parents really instill in you, listen to me and what I say and always do that. And even you're always taking their opinion and running with it. And well, they said it, so they must be, they know best. So I really started realizing that I wasn't thinking for myself or really doing for myself or really, really doing anything. That all this was really meaningless. That I wasn't doing the work that I think I should be doing that was going to make me happy and successful at the same time. And so I started, uh, that's, when, that's why I created Amiga Circle because I wanted to create a support system for me it all started with me right like I need I want to have a a a group of diverse women not just Latinas right because for me my growth personally comes from diversity from knowing different people from knowing different cultures from knowing different experiences from knowing how other people think and respond to things that that's where I feel like I grow the best so I was like so I'm just gonna create that for myself where I, I always lived in a world where I have friends who are formally educated, right? With all the way up to PhD. And then I have friends who didn't graduate from high school or got pregnant young, um, still live the same way they did when I met them. And so I was already, ha- I already had this world, right? But I wanted to make it like a place where we can all meet each other. Not just me, no everybody. Mm-hmm. It's I wanted to create a place for everybody that I knew, 
and then they can know each other yeah right yeah. whether you had a little bit of privilege or not um, because I think providing sharing information and stories back and forth from somebody who might have grown up a little bit more privileged than you had and vice versa you can learn a lot you can learn about about yourself you can learn about about how you can react to things um, even just guidance like access to information is important and I want to be able to provide that to anybody at whatever level or whatever profession whatever ethnicity I wants everybody to know what's out there because you shouldn't have to have a college education to know some of these things or be connected to somebody who knows these things but that's the way it is yeah. and because that's the way it is I want to create a space where everybody was going to get that. And that's why my group is so diverse. Because I want, if you clean houses, I want you in my group. If you're a VP somewhere, I want you in my group too. Because guess what? We can all learn from each other. And if we all start looking at ourselves like humans first, um, we will see we're more connected and have things in common than not. I saw that you have a, um, what is it, a board now. Yes. Yes, yes. I'm so lucky. You know, these people like volunteered to be on the team and to give me all the guidance and support that I can get because I really, I really want to start doing events eventually, um, which is just have open conversations with the group and they're going to all help me. And so that's awesome because they all have their own unique stories, their own individuality and unique self, right, that they can bring. And maybe there's something I didn't think of, but they did and we can contribute that and add it to the group. So, you know, I'm really happy with what how it has progressed. It's only been about two months. And this is so funny that ideas work... <laughs> Sometimes you don't act on your ideas right away. Like, I've actually thought about Amiga Circle for two years, but I never acted on it. I don't know what I was waiting for. Cause I also believe I'm, in, like, divine timing, too. You know, like, well, for you me, know, things happen when they're meant to happen. Things happen when they're meant to happen, but I think for me it was like, well, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have a budget. I don't. You know, like, do you have that now, or did you just? Start I still don't have none yeah, of that. I was say, girl, you probably still don't have it. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I'm glad you started it. Your whole story went full circle, and I totally see like where you get all of the strength from, and mm -hmm. where you get all the empathy from, and and I feel like knowing all of that about you is just makes what you're doing even more amazing. Oh, well, and thank makes you. it more powerful thank because you. yes. If someone out there can hear this and they hear everything that you've been through and they see where you are right now and right. where you're striving towards, it's like a light that people can walk towards. It's like another goal that they can set up for themselves, you know, kind of like yes. what you said like sometimes not we're not all good at setting up our own plans. Sometimes we work better when someone gives us a plan because we're good at following directions and doing things the right way and blah blah blah, but not everybody is going to learn how to set it up on their own. So if you can be that plan and you yes. can be that template for someone else, yes. that's all the power that we need to give somebody just to start. Exactly. Right? A place to look at. And, and it's it's okay for you not to have it all figured yeah. out. Like, for example, yeah. with Amiga Circle, like really my whole intent and purpose is to, A, have a really diverse group of women talking to each other. That's really important to me. What you will gain from that is possibly personal development, professional development, right? Um, maybe even um, have a couple new friends that you never thought you would have or even ever meet. 
You know, besides just having the professional and the personal development, I also wanted to provide a space where we can just be creative, you know, and talk out loud uh, or even an idea that we can help bring to light. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the process, maybe do a little community work. Yeah. Help other people yeah. because there's a lot of growth in and helping other people. Like, this is what Amigo Circle is, right? We're, like, not only developing ourselves and each other, right? Professionally, personally. But we're inspiring each other, right? That member inspired me. And then in four, Candy inspired me even more. And I inspired her. And then after I did that post on Instagram, another member of of the Amigo Circle, and she actually happens to be a professor here, she posted on a comment. She's like, I want to do that for my city. How can I do that? So it's like, I want a space for us to be able to really build a community, but also like truly get inspired and truly take somebody's idea and say, you know what, let's make that let's happen. Let's apply that over here too. You know, mm-hmm. like I have one member who's like, I have kids. I never do anything social. And I was like, and she's like, can we have like a family social day? It's like, you know what, I'm sure there's other moms in this group. Well, let's make that happen. Yeah. Quick shout out to all of them. I'm going to say their names. Hopefully I mentioned everybody. It's Paulette, Daisy, um, Winnie, Shannon, Elizabeth, Eva, and I think I'm missing one person. Maybe it's just six. I'm thinking Michelle. Yeah, thank you. These ladies are amazing. We actually had our first virtual meeting through free conference call um, that was actually set up by Jackie. And Jackie's also a part of it. So I actually have eight. And we all introduced ourselves and kind of just talked a little bit about, you know, Amiga Circle, what they want to contribute. And then I kind of gave them a little agenda of what I wanted to um, accomplish and my vision and things that they could possibly help me with. So, you know, and a lot of people tell me like, well, what, what is the purpose? What is your one niche? I was like, I don't have a niche. I think you do. I, well, I think I you know because people are like, well, these people. Somebody talks about finance, and then somebody talks about therapy, and somebody. And I'm like, you know what? I just I'm not in the box like that. It's just connecting. And it, and it I, really is. It really is just connecting. And I said there is no like, I'm gonna just talk about this one information and give you guys all the detail. Like, no, it's not. And and people are like, well, you have to have like a purpose, right? You have to have like this one thing. And I'm like, no, I don't because it's my own creation. Yeah, I don't live in the box either. Yeah, I'm just like, it's, it is what it is. And you jump on or you don't. Yeah, yeah. and I tell people like, it's, it's a, I don't want Amigo Circle to be about me. I want it to be about us. Like, that's why I have a, 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 a board. Because I want other women's actual input. Like, I want to develop with them. I'm growing with them. I'm already a different person since I started. And that's valuable to me. I'm invested in that way. And And that's valuable to everybody else who's joining. Because there is no hierarchy, right? Quote, unquote. We're all here to learn and grow. Yes. And connect. Exactly. It's just community. It's just a community of all women, and I'm not going to discriminate against you. And to bring it full circle, it's community where you can get access to information mm-hmm. you don't have in a tangible community that you might live in. It's where you get connection. Why? Because you, there might be somebody who does come from a community with tangible resources. Yeah. Like I said, I tell them, I do want to maybe fundraise for the group. Maybe do like these Amiga Circle shirts so I can con- like. Uh, make money to do stuff for the group I said but that's I just want to be able to create something where I can truly impact 
positively in society and especially the communities that I come from. And I think I would be happy with that. Like that would be enough for me. Like, and then anything else that comes from it would just be like icing on the cake. If you want to make a change, you got to go do it. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Oh, thank, thank you. you for moving in the ways that you're moving because damn, it's it's so important. And everything that, that you do, it shouldn't be taken for granted. So whoever's listening, please check out Amiga Circle. Please follow up with Monica. If you guys want to get involved, let's get involved. Add yourself to the group that they have on Facebook as well. I think that that's the biggest part. That's where I get most of my information. Just as I'm going on about my day, I and pick the up whatever is on there. Right, the, website. the website too. www.amigacircle.org. And, and I'll put in the show notes too. We're on Instagram, um, hashtag Amiga Circle, or just Amiga Circle. And then Facebook, just look up Amiga Circle and we're the first search. So, yeah, um, thank you for having me. I mean, I really enjoyed this, and I definitely feel like I've had a lot to say for a long time. And I think at 35, I feel pretty confident and very comfortable with sharing it with the world. And if you don't want to hear, just cover your ears. Where does your power come from? Where do you get magic from? And how do you practice self-love? I think that having empathy is probably one of them. My parents is another my brother, my dear brother, that his name was Eduardo Alarcón, his memory, his life, that completely empowers me to be better, greater, live longer, live happier, do it all, and and not have any regrets. Um, I think he really does give me the energy. Even, at, even though he's not here, I still feel his presence and his blessings of, you did everything you could for my son, and he's a better boy and will be a better man because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say my son, my four-year-old son, I, when I was growing up, I didn't think I would have kids. I told my partner, I was like, I don't want to have mm-hmm. kids. My parents had five, and it was a mess. <laughs> I don't think I can help anybody, let alone myself. Having a kid, no. Then I, had a, then I got pregnant, surprisingly. <laughs> well, not surprisingly, but surprisingly, because we all know how those things happen. <laughs> um, but... You know, being a mom has really just given me that extra ump. Like, you know what? What kind of world do I want my son to live in? Who do I want him to be? And that's where I get my inspiration from. Because I'm like, you know what? I need to lead by example. I really do. If as long as I have that, I think I will always have energy. I always have that power, that passion, and that sense of purpose. Self-love. I think self-love came from and this is gonna sound kind of corny and like uh, out of place but fitness that's not out of place and it's not corny fitness has completely changed my life self-care taking care of your health taking care of your body um that freedom of movement it really really ignited for myself to really love who i am um, love my body and love what i can do with it in a very free way and so i think movement has really been a huge part of me just having self-love and self-confidence nobody ever told me i could do this i did this all by myself and i'm i'm not going to turn back it's a power it's really a power of i'm not just strong-minded i'm physically strong and there's a lot of empowerment (laughs) 
love it. Thank yes. you. I love all of it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, and you. you're a beautiful person yourself. And I can tell how genuine you are, how humble you are, and you know how awesome you're going to be. Like I said, your voice is fabulous. And thank I know you. that you're going to go far. And keep listening to this woman. She is Aww. like the real thing. And so she's all in it, all her heart, all her mind. And that's great because you want somebody committed with passion. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Thank you so much for your time today and for joining me on another episode on Secure Podcast. And thank you to Monica Alarcón for her inspirational story and for sharing such intimate moments of her life with us. And I think that this has truly sent a message of inspiration, at least to myself, that we are quite literally the manifestors of our lives. And we have the power to turn any and all experiences into something that can serve as a foundation to greatness, to community, to building, and essentially transmuting something painful, terrible, frustrating, and infuriating into something that can feed us for the rest of our lives. Each and every one of us has the power to do so. And each and every one of us has the power to rise. And I hope that with this, I was able to leave a little more secure in your space and a lot less silence in your hearts. Until next time, babes.